Hello and welcome to Two Sweary Dads. I'm Trevor Scott. I'm Ben Slinger. And here we go for episode three. Episode three. Man, I had fun last week. Yeah. So those, uh, those game dev things were cool. So I've got a surprise for you today, Ben. Oh, okay. See if, see if you can hear this. That was me opening a beer. <laughs> uh, well, I, I switched back to red wine because I feel like it uh, gives me a gives me a better attitude for the podcast. So, uh, cheers! Even though we did so well last week, last week was good. Yes. So, what's what's been going on this week? Uh, you know, not a lot. Well, no, actually, you know what happened? What? Um, we're gonna have to make yet another insurance claim because someone ran up Erica's ass today. <sighs> You are not getting very lucky with um, I know, last week cars a here. Fucking car. And this week, it was only a minor. It was only a minor bingle. But uh, yeah, she called me, called me this evening, and said, "Ah, oh, some P platers run run into me." Oh, but uh, it's fine. There was actually no damage. We probably won't actually put in a claim. It's just a little scratch on the bumper. Yeah, so that was something. That's you know, two things in one week, basically. It makes me. It makes me wish I lived a little bit further in the future, when we all have driverless cars, when they all break for themselves, and uh, you know, just sit there and hang out while we get driven somewhere. But of course, you know that um, they'd they'd be taken over by a government, or the government, and you oh, know how go- bad they just. <laughs> I could ruin hear. The, I could hear the air quotes in that second one. That was good. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, you know how much. The Liberals have totally screwed up the NBN that was going to be awesome. Well, oh, God. I know. They, they, pri- they privatised the whole thing. You know, they just take the whole idea of the self-driving cars and they take it to the nth degree that, you know, um, especially if they're in power when it when it happens, we'd have to bring our own seats or something something silly like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they make you like nickel and dime you for every little aspect of the service. Yeah, it's so, like, yeah, what are you so talking people, about? We provided like, you with a with a, a shell with an engine in it. <laughs> Bring your own damn seats. <laughs> you want handouts or something? People like the prime minister, you know, they've got these comfy seats, and but I'm just picturing them having to drag it down the street as they get into their get into their car and, you know, <laughs> and get it installed, and, and they get to drive off. But of course, we get shitty plastic school chairs and have to deal with them. So. Oh God, the old backbreakers. But you know, I was I was reading something the other day saying that um, there's a few few groups against this idea of self-driving cars. Um, Why? Few people saying that because you're not needed behind the behind the um, behind the wheel at all times, there'd be people who, who have like privacy screens so they can like have sex in in the cars <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. And I'm hey, just like, hey, <laughs> what anyone does in the privacy of their own self-driving privacy screened car is their own business as long as they're not fucking so hard that it like veers off the road i'm okay with it i know if if they need to grab hold of the wheel and then they climax as they do it you know (laughs) they could be could be pretty crazy (laughs) (laughs) uh well maybe they'll have to wait until it's fully automated there's not even any 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 steering wheels in the cars it's going that way man like it's it's so weird to think like at the very least our kids will probably not buy a petrol car for themselves. Petrol, like they'll probably, what's that? As in that, exactly. They'll probably be buying electric cars. And, you know, at the extreme, they might not even learn to drive. Like, that's 
that's crazy. That is pretty crazy. It's it's awesome though. Like the implications of it are pretty cool. You know, you can just picture, uh, you know, masses of these driverless cars all communicating with each other, basically as a, as a swarm as they head down these roads. Um, you know, they I think they estimate that it'll it could cut like road deaths and accidents down by like ninety five percent or something crazy. <laughs> Because, you know, now that we have the technology, or nearly the technology, it's just, of course, we'll let computers do something as menial as driving. But but here's the other thing, especially with government, you know, they're always looking to save money instead of going to, you know, the most expensive and best, best developers, they'll go to the cheapest. So that's true. That's true. We'll end up with the uh, mixed media fiber to the node version of the driverless car network. Oh no, I'm thinking. I'm thinking more local to Melbourne, the Mikey disaster, where they oh, went. God. <laughs> they went to the the lowest bidder, and yeah, there was a a few yeah. problems with the Mikey system here in, yeah, let's, here in Australia. Let's not <laughs> let's not look at other countries who have actually you know implemented decent public transport ticketing systems let's We're create gonna reinvent the wheel yeah find uh, the, pun not intended um find uh, the lowest uh, bidder and just you know have them shit out a software solution that fails at every point of the way i would have thought that you know purchasing an already built system would be cheaper <laughs> of course like why is everybody yeah scratch. why are we redoing what other people have already done it's uh it's crazy but you know, with the like, the way even even our mobile phone network. So, Erica was Erica was calling me when we had this. She had this car accident, but I was on my way home with Dad, and we were just about to hit um, coming up York Road, which is a dead spot for mobile service. I'm just picturing, oh, we're driving along in our driverless car. Whoops, hit a dead spot. And it can no longer communicate with anything. Yeah, just run off the road. But then again, your house is, a, is just one massive dead spot, so <laughs> we can't really oh, yeah. talk too much about that. I think that. It's, it's, just, it's just my influence, you know. I just emanate, you know, anti-electromagnetic anti, uh, radiation. I've had it since birth. It's, it's a problem, <laughs> considering I'm a computer programmer. When it's in but... your hand, it's like it's in a mini Faraday cage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, a walking airplane mode. <laughs> I was actually reading what airplane mode is really there for today. It's, well, it's funny it, that you bring it, this isn't up. Isn't it there for when you're on an airplane? So, according to a pilot, now they didn't say in this article who this pilot was and all that sort of stuff, but he goes, the only reason why they get people to switch their phones into airplane mode is because it annoys the pilots if it's not. Oh, really? Like- so... Have you ever grabbed your phone and put it up next to, like, um, your headset or anything like that, and you, you start hearing the... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, the whole plane is like a massive aerial. Yeah. That just picks up all that. Right. I mean, from within, and um, you get 50, 50 phones, and it creates huh, you know, something rather annoying in their, um, in their headset. Yeah. That sure makes sense. It does. But it's sort of like, oh, you got to turn it off, otherwise something something dangerous could happen. Given that most pilots today are there in the case of emergency, and I mean, nowadays yeah, I mean, and I guess airplanes. I guess that makes a, <laughs> I guess that makes a little bit of sense when you think about um, like during takeoff and landing, which is when they probably do have to do the most. 
Um, I mean, the thing is, phones don't really do that these days, though, as much, do they? But like, I feel like I haven't heard that sound in a while, except for in, like, nostalgic circumstances where where uh, they make that happen. Like, mm. well, I think I was, I was playing a game the other day. Oh, I started um, I started trying to play Republic. Have you seen that? No. It's, uh, I kickstarted it. It's, um, it's, it was on the iPad, but they've released a PC version. And uh, he basically, you're playing, you're helping out this woman, Hope, who has been um, imprisoned in this sort of dystopic um, uh, dictatorship society. Um, but you, you control like all the electronics and stuff around her. So you're watching her through all the security cameras and things, and you can like trigger off people's radios and stuff and whatever. Anyway, the start of the, the game starts with her making a phone call to you. And yeah, like it has that little, you know, sound before the phone rings on your screen. Yep. So anyway, that was kind of cool. I couldn't actually get it running at a decent frame rate because my friggin' laptop Windows 10 doesn't play well with my, um, with the NVIDIA. Like it's a, it's one of these dual like Intel NVIDIA video cards in the laptop. Yep. And, uh, I can never tell whether the NVIDIA card's actually enabled or not. So I'm like, like, is my computer just not powerful enough to run this? Or is it that it's on the freaking shitty Intel HD graphics chip or whatever? Anyway. Yeah. I, I, I find that on my, my dodgy laptop that those, um, those integrated cards are just horrible. Yeah, yeah. You think, no, oh, no. has it turned on? Well, actually, no, it hasn't. <laughs> it's like, but it's running and it should be should be going. But Well, I've actually had to have it, the NVIDIA bit disabled for ages because um, when I installed Windows 10, it would just crash on start, like freeze on startup if I had it enabled. And I couldn't figure out the driver combination that uh that would make it work so because i haven't actually been playing games on it much i've just had it disabled but but if you want to play some games then well that's it i thought i'd try this i was like oh i'll try it again and it at least didn't like crash windows this time but it uh didn't run the game real well no what what cards it got in there it's like a gt750 or something it's nothing like i bought this computer like four years ago that's what i was probably and it's a laptop five a five 540 or something like that. Uh, I can't be bothered checking right now, but yeah, no, two, I think it's a seven. I think it's a seven something. Two years ago, I bought the 770, and it was still reasonably, reasonably new at the time. So I doubt uh, four years ago it would have been that. Well, I'm just going to check now, just so I can prove you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for it, and he'll be proven right. No, I don't know. Um, yeah, GT seven fifty M. Okay, but it's the it's the M, right? Like yeah. the cut down bloody mobile versions, or whatever. So, anyway. so it's M for massive piece of shit. Yeah, pretty much. So I just um, as I clicked on my laptop screen, I saw on my um, in YouTube. I've been watching. I've been catching up on the PAX um, acquisitions incorporated D and D games that they play. Have you heard about this? No, no, I haven't. I'll have to get you onto them since I just got you hooked on the adventure zone. I'll have to get you into some more D and D stuff. Yeah, bastard. Um, after, after last <laughs> week's after last week's podcast, Ben told me, "Oh, you might want to get into the adventure zone." Since then, I've listened to thirty-seven goddamn podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Acquisitions Incorporated. I think they started in two thousand ten. I was at the first one. It was pretty cool. They they just did it as a test. It's like, okay, we're gonna get 
you know, the two Pinyake guys, Gabe and Tycho, um, Will Wheaton and <laughs> um, Scott Kurtz from uh, from PvP, and they just they were players, and they got they organised it with wizards uh, who like wizards of the coast who run who own D and D, and they got one of their like professional DMs, um, Chris Perkins. Oh, nice. And and like they ran a game over the course of two hours, and sort of came, they'd come up with these characters and stuff, and and it was really cool. Um, the first one they just did in sort of one of the you know the relatively small um, panel rooms at PAX, but it was so popular. It was that packed that like the next year already it was in their main hall, which is like a huge theater, and um, and yeah, they've been doing it ever since, and they started them up at um, at PAX East as well. Um, and they they just become these huge productions. They all come out in costume now, and they've got these like <laughs> intricate sets that they get custom built every time. It's really cool. So if you want, you won't be able to listen to that as at work because they're video ones, and yeah. you really kind of need the video. But you need, uh, you need you want, to see it all. Yeah, if you want more D and D, just search for Acquisitions Incorporated, and they're actually they're starting a web series soon, which will be like more professionally um, filmed and stuff, <laughs> I guess. Although, I mean, the the more recent ones are really well shot anyway but um how many episodes are there well like i said i think they've been doing it since 2010 so they there are at least what's that seven and then there will be a couple from pax east so there'll be like nine or ten and they're about two or three hours long each one nice because it's like a full two hour two two three hour panel um yeah it's really cool i actually got a friend of mine at work hooked onto the adventure zone he didn't realize that D would be um, so improvised and so so different. Well, that's what's... it. Like it's you. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily think that D and D would be fun to watch or listen to. And you know, for with without the right people playing, it wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, you know, if there's a lot of combat, it can get slow. Um, if you don't actually have funny people who have some idea of how to improvise, like it could get just boring. Um, but yeah, with the right people, it's really cool because there is just this aspect of I mean, of course, improvisation, but yeah, the luck of the dice, and, and I mean, that's what makes it so much fun to play. You, you've never, you've never played. D&D. Never actually played, but now after, I mean, I think I sent you a message like twenty minutes into work the next day, going, "You bastard, now want to play D and D?" Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to get a game going. I haven't played a lot. I've DM'd a couple of games that only. I think the longest one went for maybe. We played maybe five sessions. Although this was this was before um, kids, kids, <laughs> and some even before Erica. So we had a lot of time on our hands. These were sessions that started at noon and went till like ten p.m. Nice. Um, like we we just play all afternoon. We you know get drinks and get food and just play through a, a big campaign. Sounds um, like our, our fiasco session that we had at my place oh God, a few that years was ago fun. as well. That's another good one. And that's, I mean, that's all improvisation, you know, pretty much like, you know, that, that, that's, that's comes down to how good you can sort of improvise fun things. Definitely need to do that again. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, D and D's cool. And, you know, I'm, so ever since we, you know, even thought about starting have kids, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to be able to run D&D campaigns for my kids. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> you know, hopefully they'll be into it. Hopefully they won't just be like, oh, what's that nerdy thing? You're such a geek, dad. <laughs> <laughs> I figure if we can get him into it early. Um, now, I 
I have a feeling that we might have turned a couple of listeners off, so this this whole episode won't be about D&D and all nerdy pursuits. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, there are plenty of nerdy dads out there, uh, I think. And it's funny, like, because we're, you know, I mean, we didn't have kids particularly early, but we're in that generation now where people who grew up being nerds and now it's become sort of more mainstream, you know, superhero movies are everywhere, video games are huge. Like, the amount of nerdy dads out there must just be mm. at an all-time high. I mean, I don't think we should worry too much about, uh, you know, cu- cutting out our audience. We, we weren't too much the comic book nerds. We were more the um, the computer nerds. Yeah, we were definitely, like, the video game nerds, the sort of computer, messing around with computers. Um, yeah, even D&D. I wish I'd got into D&D in high school. Like, I feel like we could have had some really good times. But it's funny, dad, my dad, because my dad was into D&D. They had a campaign running, like, when I was in the womb <laughs> and just after I was born. Like, I, whenever I bring up D&D, I hear about it. <laughs> um, but he had, like, I think it was either the first or second edition Dungeon Master's guides on his shelf for, like, for ages. When And, I, and I'd always see them when I was a kid. Um, and I used to flip through them, particularly the monster manual, because it, like, had all these cool pictures of these weird creatures but somehow that never turned into the realization of, oh, this is something I could actually do and do yeah. with my friends and like run a game. But also the harder thing back then was, where do I get the dice? Oh, I've got to go over here and spend, you know, 30 odd dollars to buy the dice. Well, dad, can I borrow 30 bucks? Is, you know, back, back Maybe. Nowadays, dad was, probably had the dice. I mean, yeah, the other probably. thing he had, he had in his like display case for the longest time, the little pewter figurines that he'd painted himself Hmm. um you know so there's like a little wizard a little ranger a little barbarian or whatever um a little orc and i used to get him out and play with them but again like somehow it never clicked that these things went together and you could play sort of a semi-structured game with this and get your friends together like i didn't start playing dvd until after i was 30 like when i got to vancouver basically and found some friends who had had a bit of experience with it i mean what i just started thinking about was when I was growing up, Dad played um, like Battletech, and then that moved oh, into yeah. um, like tabletop uh, figurine yeah, stuff. Yeah, tabletop figurine stuff, and you know he'd play massive, massive games, and he did um, did try to get into Warhammer for a while and all that sort of stuff. Oh God, I'd, Warhammer! I bet you I could actually get Dad into into wanting to play a campaign of D and D. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. We can I'm get now, your Dad. I could get my dad back into it too. I could probably get my mum into it. Um, and and there you go. We've actually got, you know, maybe maybe we just try it and see what happens. We chuck yeah, a couple well, I mean, of months around and see what happens. I've been thinking about getting a family game together for a while. Maybe maybe um, that's a that's a, oh, a future I'm, episode. Ah, you know, <laughs> 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 uh, you're thinking about recording. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, you chuck yeah, the mics yeah, up sure. and, and it either works or it doesn't. Yeah, no, that's still not be a bad idea. Bit of fun. Yeah, it's all about the time. It's it's amazing how much time how time consuming um, preparing as a DM for a for a game is. If you want to do yeah. it well, um, you know I'd spend weeks on the material for my um, for my campaigns, and you know I feel like I came up with some pretty interesting stuff. It wasn't just sort of the the usual go kill some kobolds yeah. and get some treasure. Like my favorite, uh, the one that I. Um, and the most proud of is, so we'd had a few sessions 
And I think the first one I ran was just a pre-prepared session that I maybe like added some stuff to. I think I'd given them some cool like one-use um, magical masks mm-hmm. uh, that I'd sort of tried to um, like cater to their type of character and stuff and blah blah blah. Um, but they, because it was one use, they never wanted to fucking use them. Because yeah, they were worried that it's that whole thing of like, oh, I can't use this now. What if I need it, you know, next time? That um, but actually anyway. happens to me all the time when I'm playing Skyrim or something oh, like that. Yeah. I'll go, oh, I don't want to use this potion now. And I then, you know, get to three, four hours later and I have a look in the cupboard and it's just full of potions <laughs> yeah. that I've yeah. never used. <laughs> it's like... Potion of healing, potion of healing, that's fine. I'm happy to use those and burn those as much as possible, but potion of minor strength, it. nah, nah, I may need it later. Yeah, you just do it, yeah. <laughs> potion of frost resistance, nah, I'm not going to use it, I might need I, it later. Well, what I find with those games, like potion of frost resistance, uh, I, I never, like, if someone starts blasting icicles at me, I never think to, like, oh, drink a potion, I'm just, I just start blasting back at them. I guess it's if... Like, if I guess if I got to a point where it's like, oh, I can't get past this bloody frost guy, it's like, all right, stock up on frost resistance potions. But, um, but yeah, this campaign... So, I'd run a few sessions, and thus far, we had not encountered any dungeons nor dragons. Mm-hmm. So, they were, <laughs> they were a little upset about that. So, I thought, all right, well, I'm going to go into a dungeon, and they're going to meet a dragon. Um, but they were only, like, level two or something. So, you can't actually throw a a real dragon at a level two, at level two players. Right? But uh, what I came up with is like, they're going through this dungeon and they come across some spiders with, and like all their silk lying about. And then they come across zombies. But like, for some reason, like this spider silk is like tied to the arms and legs of these zombies. Like what's been going on here? Blah, blah, blah. Some of them are like hanging up from, and then they eventually like get to the sort of the, the end dungeon and they, and they go in there and I had it, I had it so that um, I had the map up on Photoshop mm-hmm. and I'd covered it all with black on a layer that I was erasing as they went through yep. so that they, to sort of see what they could see. But anyway, I popped up like a big face of this big red dragon. It's like, oh, there's a dragon. But when they look more closely, it's a dragon skeleton that's hanging from this spider silk. And basically, the, like this big, like the big bad guy they've been chasing all the time has been like experimenting with puppeteering, and he's puppeteering this giant <laughs> red dragon. Um, and so, yeah, they had to like they had to just beat this puppeteered dragon. It was just like the head and two arms, and the arms would swing at them, and, the, and he'd somehow managed to puppeteer the head to breathe fire or whatever. And um, they had to either destroy it or break down the door to get to to get to the guy who was who was pulling the strings. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I thought, I don't know, I thought that was pretty creative. Yeah, well, being that they were level two and <laughs> trying to come up against dragons. You know. Yeah, exactly. Not that I know but... much about about it. I could imagine that a massive dragon, impossible to beat at level two. Yeah, and well, the thing is, so I, I really enjoy DMing, but I don't really get into, like, all the research behind it and, like, I can never, I can't keep track of all the, I don't know, the different realms and like all the different types of monsters and stuff. And the different um, spells that, they, that your friends can. Well, I mean, that I try to keep stuff. some track of. But anyway, uh, my friend Crystal, hi Crystal, who, uh, who we we're playing with, is a bit more of a sort of, she's into the lore of it and 
all the backstory and stuff. And so I bring up this dragon and she's, she's like, oh, but like, that's not a, that's a metallic dragon or what, you know, that shouldn't breathe fire. That should be this or something. Um, and I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm the DM. It can be whatever I want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, they had fun. But yeah, like not to keep going on about D&D too much, but this is also a parenting podcast and I'm really looking forward to the kids being old enough to be able to run a campaign for them and your kids being old enough, you know, I can picture picture us running a, um, you know, a campaign for, for James and Taz and Imogen and Arden, maybe is that our friend's kid whose name I should maybe beep out because they haven't given me permission to say it. Hmm. Um, <laughs> that might be a good idea. <laughs> but, uh, you know, once they get old enough, and I mean, that's something we can record too because you can just imagine the sort of funny shit kids will come up with when they're faced with these sorts of things. It depends on how old they are. I mean, four, probably not a great idea. <laughs> no, I'm maybe thinking once they get to like 13, six, 14. No, well, even, even younger than that. I think like six or seven. To start with, I mean, I'll probably, uh, to be honest, I'll probably start at least talking to Taz and the girls about it earlier than that and get them interested in it. But, but for them to actually be able to think about like inhabiting a character and understanding the, the rules and the, the math behind it, like eh, six, seven, eight, I don't know. I feel like they could start getting into it then. Maybe I'm being optimistic. I think that may be a little too optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Well, that, that sort of brings us on to another topic that we did want to talk about today, which is things that we want to do with our kids when they're older. That's true. That's a very good segue, Trevor. Well done. <laughs> so, other than D&D, I was thinking of the board games that we sort of we sort of grew up playing. And Yeah, how old do they have to be to play Cards Against Humanity, do you think? Um, oh. 42? I reckon maybe 15. <laughs> it's probably a really good age for it, actually. Yeah. Because it's all the sex jokes, fart jokes, shit jokes. Yeah. Yeah. But I was I was thinking the other day, you know, the board games that we grew up playing, mm. um, we had this one called Paper Chase, where okay. you were basically going through the board, trying to um, pick up as many paper routes as you could. Okay, and cool. it was like one of those sort of see how many how many properties you could own on this right. kind of like a, a monopoly, but monopoly, for, yes, but really so for for juniors and for kids, and it yeah. was a board that you didn't have to go in a certain order. You could sort of just go around everywhere, and it was actually mm. you know very different to any other game that I played when I was growing up. Mm. So it always it, stuck out in my mind. I uh, I mostly remember as a kid the sort of classic just a classic Hasbro board game sort of thing, like, you know, a bit of Monopoly, uh, obviously Scrabble, once I, was, once I was old enough. Um, the Game of Life, we had, a, like, a pretty old version of the Game of Life, you know, with the spinner in the middle and stuff. I tell you what, though, the, the Game of Life is great, but only if you've got the, um, uh, got the original version. Like, I don't know whether you've seen... They've started releasing some new versions of the game of life, and they've got like a, a digital scoreboard and all this sort of stuff. And we'll, I was playing it over at my um, at my mother-in-law's, probably about six months ago. Mm-hmm. It was just like they lost all the things that are actually that is actually fun about the game of life, and sort of just gone okay. Instead of having a board that you go from here to here, and when you reach here, that's when you retire. 
No, it's like, okay, now you can have up to, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 turns and you can decide, like, you you can go through school now if you want and then you can go through career now and then you can go through family and then you can go around and go through family again and it's just this big circular thing around the board. That's weird. Oh, it's just... You can't go in circles in life, kids. No. You can't just say, let's do that again and not, and then we'll be back at the same place because you'll be older. Yeah, like the game of life needs to be a fixed number of spaces. Like that's kind of the whole point, isn't it? That's what I thought. And you can choose, okay, at this point, do I go down this extra route and go, um, you know, get a a degree and... Yeah, no, the choices obviously are are necessary. Do I get uh, married? You know, you don't have to go down that that path. Yeah, yeah. That's what I always liked about it. It wasn't just, okay, now you can choose to go down this path and this path and this path and try to make more money over here. And it's like, that's yeah, not really sounds like they've almost tried to. It sounds like they've almost tried to branch it out too much, give you too many options. I mean, sure, life has a lot of options, but you know, it's a board game. <laughs> Reel it in. <laughs> and, like, they've got two different scoring things. Like, you've got... um the amount of money that you have versus life points. But yeah. if you sp- spent all your time in life points, yeah, that's great. But it's really the only way to win is to have a lot of money. I mean, yeah, I guess that was a sort of a downside of the original. I'd forgotten that your that your main uh, scoring was how much money you have. It's sort of a, it's a sort of very capitalist view of life. But <laughs> again, it's a board game. Um, I mean, that uh, so many. I feel like so many of the games are based around money. I mean, Monopoly. I don't. Monopoly has a certain appeal, but it's it's really not a great game. No. And nobody ever finishes it without like flipping the board. Okay, so my only real memory of Monopoly mm. came a few, quite a few years ago, before our friend Paul went over to um Ireland. Yeah. Hello, Paul. Um, hey, we Paul. were over at his now ex-wife's parents' place, and we were playing what we what we called either Super Monopoly or Mega Monopoly. We put two <laughs> boards together, and you had to go in the middle. <laughs> so you Wait, went, so you had you to went go around one board, the then you edges. went around the other board. <laughs> oh, okay. Because we had something like 12 people playing. Oh, oh my God, that must have gone forever. Oh, it I guess really did. Playing, so we had yeah. a Star Wars Monopoly and a regular Monopoly. <laughs> um because it was kind of a drinking game, we, we had that as you're playing it, you had to say um, Republican credits when you're on the Mono- on the Star Wars Monopoly board. If you said dollars, then you um then you um got penalised like a right. couple of hundred dollars or something like that, and had to go into the right. centre. And if you landed on free parking, then you got to pick it up. Typical house rules. Yeah. Um, I swear I got three or four turns, and then we finished, and that was about four hours. <laughs> with yeah, that, that many people playing. That sounds like a Mega Munchkin game that we had a, f- a few years ago at your place. Yeah. Too many people playing Munchkin. Like, we had like eight or ten people or something crazy. Just went for like six hours, something ridiculous. <laughs> Maybe not that long, but... Yeah, but that's like when we were playing four. Super Munchkin rules and went all the way up to level 20 and... <laughs> that's right, it was too. Super Munchkin rules as well. We had the different dungeons and or whatever it was, the different... Uh, for those who have never played Munchkin before, Munchkin is actually a, a slang name for people who play role-playing games with the purpose of winning. 
Like, usually yeah, when you play role-playing game, you don't a role. win. So, um, the, I think the tagline on the, um, tagline on the box was, you know, slay the monsters, backstab your friends, <laughs> something yeah. like that. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's, it's one of those marriage-killing games, oh, if you're not careful. I love playing it, and we... It is fun. I've pretty much had an annual game sort of going here at our I place. don't know if I've played it since that day. Probably not. The first time we got introduced to it, um, our friend Paul, again, had bought it when he was over in Ireland. He he had the original set and one one expansion, brought it down to a boys' weekend that we had away, and the first game that we played took something like, I don't know, two or three hours to get through. Yeah, if you've got any new people, it always sort of adds an extra half hour or an hour onto the game. But we got through it. You know, and it's sort of like, wow, that was actually quite a bit of fun. I think it was about 45 minutes later, we're like, okay, we've got to play another game. And straight straight back over to the table, yep. got the cards out again. So anyway, I think we ended up playing something like four or five games that weekend, just from the Saturday afternoon through to the Monday when we left. Yeah. And it was just, it was like, okay, we're going to play another game. Okay, awesome, we'll go do that. I mean, once you've got the rules down... It's a lot more fun because you can you just you sort of you're not getting held up on oh like where can I put this equipment this you know where you know what what card do I have to draw now and you're just playing yeah um, like yeah I think it probably wasn't was it that same same boys weekend or the the one after um, where we I think we spent like a whole day playing Munchkin like we just we played like eight or ten games or something over that weekend I think that was the next one. Yeah, because I remember that having a few more expansion packs in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, it's. I'm looking forward to introducing these sorts of games to the kids. Obviously, again, like they're getting well, relatively get complex older. at that point. They'll be a bit older. I do want to find something they can start playing at like three and four to just get them used to the idea of board games. But uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's a good time. Well, right now, right beside me, I've got the one thing. That I really wanted as a kid. I never had it. It's What's the original that? Nintendo Entertainment System. I bought <laughs> it when I was about 15 or 16, but I've got the original sitting right here. It's got two controllers. Yep. Um, and it's currently got Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt all in one package. Of in course. There. And that is one thing that around four or five, so within the next year, year and a half, mm-hmm. I'll be able to introduce to my son as... And hopefully that will be the um that that will be the formative, yeah, video game that he plays. Was that was that your like? What's your earliest video game memory? So my earliest video game memory is actually the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. My parents had bought one of those. They also had one of the your old parents Pong are pretty machines. geeky. So I like it, mum and dad actually had the original Pong. Yeah. Pong machine. We looked for it a little while ago, and it's yeah, sort of been a little, lost uh, the, the dials, the dials. Yeah, the two dials. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I had a um, friend who who bought one at like a garage sale years later. Like this is after I had a four eight six or something. But uh, <laughs> we still hooked it up to an old, you know, old TV and played the different, the different variations on Pong. <laughs> uh, smaller paddles. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, they had like tennis and soccer and. I don't know, like just slightly different ways Variations, of playing. Yeah. yeah. Well, some of the earliest memories were we had um, like a maze game on the um, Atari 2600 and then we had the game 
berserk, which was like a man going through through this random maze that um almost like an original rogue. Um, oh yeah, okay. Rogue like. Okay. So you just had to you had to avoid all the um all the robots shooting at you and you had to try and kill them and as you went through the different screens like there was a couple of different um couple of different variations on the on the maze but it was sort of it was very felt very random as you were playing it mm, didn't feel like mm. the same game every time cool um in fact with the maze game you could you could hit different switches on the back of the of the atari 2600 to give you different mazes that you were going through and then different oh, variations yeah, on those and oh, that's so funny so one of the variations of of the maze game you had you were a blue square and you had a red square that was trying to get to the end as well but if the red square touched you or got to the end first then then you actually lost and right it was just great great sort of games yeah. to play in your formative years um because it certainly sticks in my mind as things that go into into my current um my current project that i'm working mm. on the side oh right yeah of course mazes and and such and roguelike and roguelike so yeah i uh so i like my, my parents were like, Dad was really into building PCs. He built his first couple of PCs, as in to the point of soldering chips onto boards. Jesus um, <laughs> Well, I mean, that's what Hardcore. it was. That's what it was in those days, right? Because it was such a hobbyist thing. Yeah. So, like, I didn't get I didn't get my first console till the Sega Mega Drive, or Genesis for the any US listeners. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we had PCs for the longest time, and the the first game I remember, funnily enough, is a is Zork, the text adventure. Um, nice. I think I was like, I must have been four or five. So I was sort of, I was getting okay at reading, obviously, by that point. I was I was a fairly early reader and this probably helped actually, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I remember dad like bringing this computer home from work or maybe he had it set up when I got home. Anyway, and yeah, we set it up and we're sitting there and, you know, playing Zork. You were, what is it? You see a White House or something. I can't remember it. I should See, remember well. Enough. My my very first memory of Zork is actually Zork Two. Mm-hmm. I never even finished Zork One. I just went straight oh, into Zork Two. God, so, I never finished any of them. <laughs> so in Zork Two, my favourite room was actually the carousel room. It was like one of the first rooms that you get to. Yeah. And it's just literally a spinning room, and you've got you know all eight cardinal directions that you or all eight directions that you can get out of there. The four cardinals and the ones yeah. in between. Yeah. And it's sort of like. You go northeast, and it's like it spits you out somewhere, and it's like then you try to go um, southwest to go back in, and it goes mm, you can't go that way, and it's like turns out that it's sort of sent you out to the east or something like that. Right, it's just, because it's like spinning you around. Is that the idea? Yeah, the whole room's yeah. spinning, so therefore yeah. you don't know which way which way that you got to go. There's a lot of creativity in those those old text adventures, man. Really like, were for the longest time. And actually, I was going to tell, and I will tell another story about graphical adventure games because I was going to say that that was when I first got into adventure games. But, of course, it was text adventures that got me into them. Hmm. And, yeah, things like Zork, um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy text adventure. Yeah, I didn't get to play that one. That was... I need uh, to go back just had play some, some of those. Really, I've got really interesting memory. Like, the games were so evocative. For being just text, you know, they, they really have left an impression on me. And, yeah, like, that was so much of my early gaming. To the point where... Dad, he must have found an early version of, of basically a text adventure game engine 
where you could write files that defined sort of rooms and inventory items and things. And I remember printing out the <laughs> manual for it. So I had this giant stack of paper that was the manual for this, the manual for this adventure game engine, basically. And I, I can't remember exactly, but I think he and I just basically made a model quotes of our house where, you know, you'd go north and it would take you to the living room and you'd go up and it would take you <laughs> upstairs to the study or whatever and you could go up the road and I think I started extending it and it never actually turned into a, a game but you could pick things up and you could you know it would give you the description and stuff so so the, my I have a really vivid memory I guess it must have been a little bit later of coming in from playing outside and going up to dad's office and I think it was yeah it must have been like six or seven and he was playing this game I'm getting. Hang on, let me guess. Okay. Leisure Suit Larry. No, it was a Sierra Ooh. game. Do you want to try again? <laughs> King's Quest. No, it was Space Quest Two. Space Quest Two, awesome. Game. Yeah, Space Quest were out. Space Quest was our big series. Yep. And and mine, my first adventure game. Before yeah. you go on with that. Yeah. My first adventure game that I really got into was actually King's Quest One and King's Quest Two. Mm. My grandfather worked for IBM and okay. actually had like demo copies that that were brought nice. into into their office and first first I ever got to see it I I started playing it on his like two um two color monitor or the monochrome monitor and it was like you go into a room and everything sort of just gradually builds up and draws up on the screen. <laughs> I know. Oh yeah, you had to see it draw the screen in those early ones. And then um about that. Like when we got our computer, which was, had a CGA monitor, so four colours, um, <sighs> then it looked even better because you had a couple more colours. <laughs> so that was that was my my initial one. And back in those days, they were bootable. Yeah, the old arms race of getting new monitors that could display more colours. <laughs> you know, I remember getting you know an EGA monitor and a VGA monitor and then a super VGA monitor. Um, you know, so anyway, you were you were talking about Space Quest. Yeah. So um, Space Quest Two. Yeah, I came up and he was he was on that bit where you're swinging from the vine and there's the big gorilla thing that's trying to grab you. Anyway. Yep. Yep. There's, there's not actually much more to the story, but uh, I was hooked from that point on, and f- I think probably from that point on, every new Space Quest game that came out, like we'd buy it, you know, pretty much release week, I guess, and play through it together. Uh, and, you know, which basically meant me watching and giving suggestions and probably trying to occasionally steal the mouse from under Dad's hand. Um, Especially for those later games. Well, Whereas yeah, of course. The earlier the, ones were a lot. The earlier ones were text parts only, but... Type in, type in this. I know that Paul and I, we, um, we sometimes would go around and we'd play Police Quest and, mm. and a couple of the other different Quest games. He never really got into the into the King's Quest that was always Police Quest and Space Quest with him. Yeah. But it was like we'd we'd end up having races to see who could type open door first uh, fastest. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh or playing Legacy Larry and trying to type in Ken Ken sent me before the uh before the guy goes away from the door. So you can get in and oh, fuck, fuck the hooker. <laughs> Pretty sure I was like twelve when I was playing that game. <laughs> I've I've got lots of memories about um just because my parents were into into computers a bit as well, like they really enjoyed the um the quest games and yeah. I was over at another Paul's place. We were having a sleepover, 
and my parents and his parents were were actually out in the out in the lounge room. They they'd brought out a computer and they were all sitting around it playing Leisure Suit Larry one. And I just remember <laughs> um, about to go to bed and all of a sudden I hear this do 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 What the hell was I used to play them on the piano, like that was the one song. Oh yeah. The piano. Um I had when I finally got the Leisure Suit Larry collection, it actually had the um it had the sheet music to it. <laughs> so I actually <laughs> nice. played the the actual sheet music. Yeah. And that yeah. was good fun. Yeah, those are it's kind of it's funny that those games are such a big part of my childhood as well because they're totally just not appropriate for children and I didn't get like ninety percent of the jokes probably. Oh hell no! Um, I th- I think I was like seven or eight and it's yeah. like somehow I found out that you know if you hit Control Alt X, you know you could just skip oh, skip, skip all those questions. Um, those questions at the start. <laughs> yeah. But but for the first for the first year of me trying to play it was literally me just going okay I'm going to guess this one. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, you just hope to get lucky three times in a row or whatever it was that would let you in and play it. Uh, or, or set the, whatever it was, set the the rude level, rudeness level. <laughs> the risk, risque, set no, it, get it set to risque. Three. <laughs> oh, was that it? The first one just didn't let you even play it. Did didn't it? let you play it, but yeah. Lucy Larry 3, it, it let you set the set the level that you wanted to play it at. I'm pretty sure that's, I'm pretty sure that's where I learned the word risque. was because yeah, it probably. would get set to risque, and I didn't know what that meant, but. And figured it out from context clues, like the breasts in the window. Was that that? Was that three? Yeah, that was. Yeah. Three. Um. So, if I remember rightly, the um the keys to pass all that was Control Alt Shift X. <laughs> you had right. to end, add that shift in to get there. Um, Probably couldn't even do it with my tiny hands at the time. Still remember playing Leisure Suit Larry Two, which you're going through all the way through it, hoping that you know. You'd see some boobs or something, and it's like, yeah, you don't see anything it, at all. Like that one was interesting. That was a really hard game. Legendary it was too possible to actually. That's play. the one with the cruise ship, right? Yeah, yeah. How many times did we die on the cruise ship? Every fucking time. Oh yeah, there was some. Yeah, I remember there were some areas where if you even just go into that room, it kills you or something. And like, if you go out onto the lifeboat and you haven't like got the five different things that you need, like the wig. And the, sunscreen. the big gulp from yeah, the sunscreen. You need to throw out the spinach dip because otherwise you get sick and yeah. you die. Um, <laughs> you need to have water. You need to oh, that you need to have the big gulp full of water or, or soda or whatever. And if you drink it at, at any other time, then you know you actually <laughs> you die because your bladder bursts. <laughs> yeah. God damn, oh, that was a hard man. game. Did you play the uh, the remake of Legendary One? I did. I did. I don't think I actually played all the way through it. No, is, neither did I. I. It was kind of boring. I kicks, yeah, it's a shame. Like, I actually kick-started it, and I was hoping it would do well, because they said if it, like, sold well, they'd make a new Leisure Suit Larry. Leisure Suit Larry 4, the missing floppies. Yeah, the missing floppies. <laughs> but uh, I don't think it did very well. I still no. wear the t-shirt, though. Oh, nice. I haven't really kick-started too many things. I've, um... I did one recently. I did the, um, the Jane Silent Bob Chronic Blunt Punch. Oh, on Fig, yeah. Yeah, on Fig. So, that's as close as I've gotten. Yeah. I've, uh, I'm just bringing up my Kickstarter-backed projects, if you all. Um, 52 projects. Holy shit. 52? Yeah. 
Yeah, I haven't I haven't done any in a little while. I did that. I mentioned the one last week, the um, the one that's kind of like jackpot, like a quiplash. But um, yeah, fifty two, and well, actually fifty two and eleven that were um, unsuccessful or cancelled before they uh, reached the end of their goal. Um, some of which I'm really disappointed about. Although, you know, with the track record for a lot of Kickstarter projects, they probably wouldn't have got finished anyway. Yeah. But uh, no, there've been some good ones in there. Super hot. Did you have you seen that? Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, that was. Really wanted good. to get into it, but it's one of those sort of things that you got to choose what you're into at the time. And no, of course. What I was into at the time was both Rocket League and the Division. <laughs> yeah, neither <laughs> of which I managed to put any time into. Um, no, Super Hot was really good. Yeah, a few others like the, some of the early ones. I did a lot more video projects and stuff. Like I did. Um, a few documentaries and Chris and Scott's Scott and Chris show. That was my very first one, which is a uh, Chris Strab and Scott Kurtz. Um, Double Fine Adventure was definitely worth it. I think that's my top pledge. I actually paid $110 for Double Fine Adventure and I will soon receive finally my full uh, old school game box, which I can put on my shelf. <laughs> and how long ago was that actually released? Well, it says estimated delivery, August 2012, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the final part of the game came out, like, earlier this year. <laughs> God, that's horrible. Uh, it was alright. It was, I mean, a big part of Double Fine Adventure, and they did it a lot better than the other ones, a lot of the other ones, was that they did the documentary the whole way through, right? Like, they had a professional documentary team documenting the whole way, like before it was even, I mean, that's why it's called Double Fine Adventure. Like the final game is Broken Age, um, but they mm. didn't have a title for it. They didn't even have a concept for it when they started. Yep. Um, so it's actually, it's a really good watch. FTL, I, I backed. Oh, nice. Have you played that? Yeah. Um, I've watched a, watched a few videos yeah. online. FTL. I've actually played good. it myself. Oh, that's really good. So yeah, there haven't actually been many that have delivered nothing. So mm. I've been... I got a friend fairly, who, fairly who good um, with that. helped kickstart, you know, a little one called Oculus. Yeah, well, there you go. Bastard, I kind of wish got himself done that. a um, got himself a, a commercial one. I know, but I know. It's I wish still it. on its way, but <laughs> yeah, of course. He he paid what three hundred and fifty for the first developer kit, and like three hundred and fifty for the second, I think. And so he's been playing with it the whole time, and yeah. also gets a free commercial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, oh, I got to play with the first kit probably about three years ago, something like that. Mm, yeah, it's Back been a when while first now. came out. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to that being yet another thing. Uh, as I, as we've talked about now, um, you know, we're already repeating ourselves on our third episode. But uh, yeah. But VR is something I'm pretty excited about. Yeah. Another thing that we were that we definitely have to introduce them to is another another favorite thing of ours: music. We haven't really talked too much about, about music, music on here. Yeah, I suppose I suppose we should actually mention that the opening and closing theme songs are actually from our um, from one of our projects that we were in together. That's true. Our first full length album, first and only, probably ever. No, oh, probably not. We'll, we'll be involved in something else down the track. Yeah, that's true. Maybe not as current as with our kids. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I've basically got a band now. I've, I've like procreated a band just uh, 
inseminated a band. Uh, you fucked right me ver- into it. What's the right sense. verb there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day I'll get back into some music and I'll be one of those, you know, 40-somethings in a band with other 40-somethings and just rocking it out here and there, playing the odd gig. It'd be fun. I did, I did move towards getting my drum set up. I ordered on eBay a new drum key so I can actually friggin' put my, like... So you can um, tune the fucking rack together. Well, put the rack. <laughs> the rack needs it as well, um, so I can put my rack together and figure out how much space I need, and mm-hmm. uh, eventually pull the uh, the actual drums out of the boxes that they're in at the in their warehouse and bring them home and actually play some drums. Yep. We've run a little bit long, I think. All right, to close out, let's see if we, let's just try one more of these game dev riffs from last week. Uh, so we're going to click three, two, one, chest. Clothes. Clothes chest. <laughs> That's just a thing. That's not a game idea. Okay, one more. And one more. Three, two, one. Childhood. Presence. Presence and childhood. Okay. So a platformer. Yep. Christmas themed. Oh no, presence as in something oh. is there. Oh, presence. <laughs> Childhood and presence. Oh, okay, so it's a ghost game. Ooh. Yeah. So do you play as a child or is it a, the ghost a child? Maybe, maybe you play you, as maybe a child. You play, and... Maybe you play as. Ooh, I know. I know. You play as a childhood's imaginary friend. Oh, that's really that could that's really interesting. Well, what sort of game mechanics would you bring into that? Because uh, you'd almost have to make it. It'd have to be some sort of adventure game, right? Like, because there's too much. You'd have to be. You're almost yeah. affecting things they're doing by. Because the only interaction by, you by have is with dialogue, the child. Dialogue, conversation, trees, or something yeah, like maybe that, a purely dialogue-driven adventure game. That could be really interesting, actually. A purely dialogue-driven adventure game. So, you can't, you're can't. you an imaginary being. You can't interact with anything in the world. All you can do is talk to your child and try to convince them to do certain things or put ideas into their head. Yeah. And then I really got, like that. Then you've actually got, you know, maybe they're getting bullied at school and you see this, this, little, this little scene where they're getting bullied and, and you talk them through that. Or yeah. you can talk them into beating up the bully, or you know, it's you can sort of you as the imaginary friend can take it anywhere really that you cool. would like. To. So, what's your name? What's your name as an imaginary friend? Bingles. Uh, too close to uh, Bingle. Oh yeah. Um, Jaffa. Uh, Jaffa cakes. <laughs> J- Peron. 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 How do you spell that? Uh, P-E-R-O-N. Peron. Yes. All right. I like it. Peron, the, the, the imaginary friend who interacts only through dialogue. That could be really cool. I, 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 could, I could see a, an old school adventure game with just purely dialogue. I'm just trying nice. to think of the sort of graphics that, that you'd actually have with that. You know, would you go low poly or would you go the full... You know VR experience where you literally <laughs> <laughs> you oh, well, whenever I think look of it, around and move around, but you can't actually do anything. 
You could do that. That'd be interesting. Whenever I think of adventure games, though, I always go 2D. Um, yeah. I could see a really nicely animated sort of Curse of Monkey Island-esque cartoonish uh, adventure game. Yep. Um, Just a I really can even nicely see, you know, animated... A Sierra. Sierra-styled, you know, 2.5D or whatever they call it. You know, the, the faux 3D. Like a... Mm. Um, like a King's Quest Five, King's Quest Six level, mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. still low low res, but it's still um, but it's all hand painted backgrounds and yeah, yeah. All right, well, we better finish up there. Should we do? We haven't done this in the last couple of episodes. Should we do a little bit of a, a plug for our Twitter and such? Yes. So it's um, what we're at two sweary dads on Twitter. That's right. Yes. We're at facebook.com slash two sweary dads. And uh, if two you want to email us, com, I believe. Yes, twoswearydads.com two is our website um, where you can find links to our iTunes and other ways to subscribe to us. And uh, yeah, if you want to send us any emails, just send it to podcast at twoswearydads.com and we will get it. And, uh, you know, we can read them on air if we get anything nice. If you have questions, if you want us to talk about anything, any subjects in particular. And if there are any other questions, you can go ask your mum. The boy jobs the